All right, guys, welcome back to the Fitness in Philosophy podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about technology and fitness, part two. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, doing better. I was uh, under the weather over the past week, had a, uh, um, like a low grade, uh, it was not COVID. I tested myself a couple of times or variants of it, or maybe it was, and I just don't have the, the test or not showing it. Anyways, um, I had this 100 to 101 low grade fever for uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and part of yesterday, Thursday. Wow. Um, and nothing else, like no nausea, no vomiting, no, just, just a pain in the ass, like a little tiny headache that, you know, that like slightly heightened heart rate, slightly heightened blood pressure uh, headache, you know, and uh, that little low grade fever, just a pain in the ass for, so I think, uh, I think it was just the way I reacted to some kind of, uh, some kind of bug. Cause my daughter, Chloe also had the same timeline of sickness, but her symptoms were, uh, lots of coughing. So I think for both of us, it was probably a deeper respiratory thing. Um, and she just reacted to it one way I reacted to it another, but Anyways, I'm back on the mend. I'd say I'm like 95. Yeah. You're feeling better? Yeah, man. How are you doing? Overall, doing pretty good. Uh, I had a squat PR last week. That was pretty cool. Nice. Uh, and have you seen the HBO show uh, Winning Time yet? Oh, yeah. What do you think? I fucking love it. I, I, amazing. Like, I loved it. I, I thought it, yeah, I thought it was excellent. Um, I've been reading various things. I mean, obviously magic and cream and others have talked about like, you know, how accurate and not accurate. And like, it's interesting, the blend of like accuracy they have around certain things that clearly happened. And then like other things that didn't happen during that time, but as a show, just, wow. Yeah. Really excellent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, I, probably it's probably an episode for another time you know that's our fitness and culture podcast that we're gonna we're gonna underground start um or fitness in hollywood i don't know how we connect all those things together but yeah i liked it so many different parts of it where i could i could uh speak about um just with my history and uh my connection to uh that time frame um being a young kid growing up in Northern Canada, um, in isolated community, uh, we, we pretty much, we didn't have much, (laughs) we did have electricity, but we had like, you know, in 1970s or late 1970s, we had like three stations. And in the, uh, early eighties, I think to the mid eighties, maybe this was like, uh, yeah, it was with when the Canadians won in 86, trying to timeline it anyways we got all these satellite radio satellite tv stations detroit seattle la boston chicago new york uh and uh of course you know with a lot of darkness a lot of time on your hands as a young kid you're going to watch a ton of sports on tv from all of these major centers right so anyways i got to watch all the celtics games all the lakers games all the piston games all the Bulls games from their local broadcasts, right? For their local stations. And uh, anyways, it hits home for me. 
because I do remember those those moments anyways of the early 80s um, on the back end of this uh, winning time. So I really liked it. Yeah, no, I thought they did a great job. And I mean, little knickknacks. I mean, a lot, lots of different things I liked about it and didn't realize, but like little things that I just was, I, I had never heard before. Um, didn't realize it came down to a coin flip between Chicago and LA for magic. Uh, didn't realize that Paula Abdul was the first Laker girl. Uh, did not realize, I didn't know the history. Of, I didn't know the timeline and history of Nike. I didn't realize that at the time Converse and Adidas and were kind of like the things. And then a young Phil Knight approaches <laughs> magic for what ends up And that part is true. That part. Yeah. I didn't, like, oh, yeah. But didn't you like even more the, uh, the, the modernity of technology embedded inside of this winning time film to, to yeah. all those points you just made. Right. For example, Jerry Buss talking to the camera. Yeah. Right. Or uh, them like pointing out with it. What was it? Oh no. It was just like, they paused the video and then they put the arrow Paula Abdul. Yeah. Right. Or like the Phil Knight thing, he walks away. Remember and magic makes the decision with Converse and then they kind of put on the screen. <laughs> evaluation of nike today with that stock it was like five billion or something yeah, five billion dollars five billion dollars b folks yeah. yeah b with what he offered him that day so i mean anyways yeah wonderful and i'm sure i'm sure at that level like people hawking stuff to you are a dime a dozen and for every film night there's a hundred thousand who would like bankrupt you so you know he made this but yeah i mean just I, I had no idea that at that point, I didn't realize uh, how recent that was. I had no idea that uh, the NBA was like on the verge of like not being popular, that Lakers were essentially like an also ran compared yeah. to like all stars. Yeah. I didn't realize any of that. Yeah. The uh, yeah. Anyways, a good conversation for another time. Cause I could tie in the, uh, the NHL expansion at the roughly the same time to different parts of uh America as well throughout, you know, North America as like this pinnacle rise of both of these organizations, you know, uh, kind of on the backs of one another. And here I am, you know, today, you know, looking forward to tonight, which is what, <laughs> right? Uh, seeing how Dallas, you know, uh, keeps moving and the Flames and Oilers Battle of Alberta, like, you know, what a wonderful time to be alive anyways, for my brain. Um, for those two things, you know, coming together after like 40 years. Yeah. And I mean, it does relate to what we're talking about and kind of the rise of technology. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All that different stuff. So anyway, great, yeah. great show. If you guys haven't seen it, totally worth watching. For sure. Uh, take it with a heavy dose of salt and read the, uh, read up on like the accurate versus not accurate stuff, but very interesting. Yeah. Um, to keep on that though, for that last point, Robbie, would you agree that they should also watch the full uh, show at the end when Rick Fox gets to discuss with the actors and the directors? Uh -huh. That's really important. Yeah. Because he does talk about how they wanted it to be viewed, you know, and kind of allow, they say it a lot, right? I just allow the observer to kind of like make some decisions you know, they, they just wanted to say, hey, you know, can't you see that they were stuck in this bind with these decisions? And you get to make your own conclusions from that, right? Like the Spencer Haywood story. I mean, that is harrowing, but so, I mean, they could have went a whole lot deeper into that. Because right. um, that was that was nasty. That was really deep and nasty. Um, but anyways, you got to hear about it anyways at the end of the show.
Yeah, and apparently there's an Apple TV Plus show now called This Is Magic, where like it actually it's right. with Kareem and with others, and like it's it's the actual retelling of yeah that time. So yeah, 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 yeah. I think they could have. Uh, I think they probably could take like a portion of each of those and the areas and spin it off in their own like twelve show franchise really i think like i just imagine like kareem in that year when when the rookie coming in and all the stuff that he's dealing with politically philosophically his own career his life existence belief right like my gosh like you could have a him as the central figure for a whole 12 episodes on the struggles and the kind of stuff that's going on in his mind right and then for magic i mean not to you could, he, they could have went deeper with that, right? Like with some truth in the partying, you know? I mean, that, that kid had piss and vinegar. Let me tell you, he was, he was doing it all during that year. That was crazy. Yeah. I mean, they showed, they showed some of the stuff and, you know, for, for HBO, for HBO, you know, I mean, they, they, they showed some stuff, but it was like, there's a lot more to the story. Yeah. Oh, I know. But the ones they did show certainly made it enough, right? Where it's like, okay. I got the gist, right? Yeah. Three girls in the bed at the same time, all in different positions, genitals lined up appropriately. Yes. Um, it was, yeah, that's the life, man. That was the life. That was, yeah. Uh, his reputation preceded him, I guess. And yeah, I thought, I thought it was interesting that they, uh, I mean, of course, this isn't a spoiler because it's the first minutes of the series, like the, the yeah. very first minutes of it yeah. are you know, him finding out about HIV. Yeah, yeah um yeah right like i mean that whole thing yeah it's funny you mentioned that because i thought they were going to go i thought the whole show was going to open in a different angle or keep coming back to that point like history back to the present history back to the present i thought they were going to go that back and forth but i think they did a fantastic job of just placing that right at the front making you think like just remember like this is essentially where it ended up you know <laughs> now let's go back and see the happy times and the right uh yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it'll get rid. I mean, I know it's renewed for season two, but I don't know the progression. But I wonder if like it will just be the championship seasons leading up to that point, or yeah, who knows? But clearly, they're leading up to that point in some way or another. So interesting. Yeah. But today we're going to talk about technology. Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to for you to just throw out this, uh, um, you know more recent thing and we can just continue to ramble like that you know and uh and yeah see or, technology to see how technology fits into that i mean or i can see if i can get rick fox on the line and we can uh oh, man make this the uh dude that would be so awesome there's so many through lines to rick fox uh his canada connection his celtics connection um his lakers connection um yeah there's so many things i'd like to talk to rick fox about that'd be cool be cool i guess last last thing I, i'm thinking of uh i have to do more research on larry but i'm bird i remember i mean obviously i remember like you know being a basketball fan in the early 90s and that was kind of the and or kind of towards the tail end of the magic larry era and towards the yep. michael era, but um did not did not ever hear and i mean i knew he was from indiana but like the way they portray him in the show now that i live in indiana it's like like hick from indiana that's the way they that's the way he's portrayed in the show is like yeah, heavily, 
yeah. So I don't know the accuracy or not of that. I need to look that up, but uh, yeah, that's how to portray him. So yeah, I think it's a well. I know more about uh, the the whole story for Larry. I would say I'm not a you know an expert or a historian on it, but uh, I think it was purposely done in order to, as you'll see when you watch the show, it was purposely done for that to do this back and forth between the motivating factors for magic really that's that's pretty why pretty much why but very good job yeah it was really well done so on today's episode uh we are going to continue discussion of technology and fitness so last time we kind of gave the philosophical background of things we talked a lot about devices and we talked a lot we we kind of came up with a spectrum of devices all the way from like fitness equipment being on one yeah, right more virtuous like barbells kettlebells dumbbells and then you know fitness monitoring devices and then fitness tracking software and then fitness equipment slash monitoring devices uh talked a lot about that um today we were talking about focusing a lot more on the coach um, and a number of issues related to that. So, you know, the coach and access to lots of new data, whether it's aura data or inside tracker or, you know, um, continuous glucose monitor, recovery metrics or things like that. What role does the coach have to play in the future? Going back to some of the broader themes we set out is just technological issues that philosophy has to deal with you know, that's related to this artificial intelligence, right? Like AI and computation are going to get better, you know, and uh, can a computer 50 years from now replicate what we do with True Coach or Food Journals? And if so, what role does that leave for the relationship with the uh, the coach? Um, so those type things. But then there were other things as well that relate to these bigger philosophical issues that we had talked about that... Um, we're going to have to deal with. So privacy being one. So um, that's, that's a big tech concern. So um, how does that relate to consolidation of power in the tech industry? And all the major tech players have some sort of Apple watch Fitbit. some, some, you know, Amazon has its own thing, like yeah. all, toes in this data tracking arena. And what does that mean yeah. for us? Um, you know, should health and fitness data be private should it be you know something that we own um uh another broad philosophical issue within tech these days is the notion of big data uh-huh. um so here we're not necessarily talking about data privacy per se but we're talking about the fact that you have all this data being collected and what sense can you make of it so last time i think we referenced um you know, these different pieces of software that can be like, oh, I can look at a standard CBC and CMP and tell you about H. pylori or heavy metal toxicity or correlations, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So a relevant philosophical question for us is like, well, yeah, the app can collect such and such bit of data, but is that data meaningful? Like you can, you can influence this metric cool by, you know, lifting more or you know, pulling more forcefully or eating such and such, but is that meaningful? Is that, is that a relevant metric for us to um, follow? And then uh, I guess another one that we could discuss, and these are all things we can kind of choose which one to go down the rabbit hole. Or do all of them. Yeah. Um, Obviously another gigantic one, especially with, since we started the podcast, Facebook has become meta. 
Um, and obviously there's discussions around the matrix and uh, me being the gigantic Apple geek I am. Um, Apple apparently, according to uh, insiders, has recently demoed its AR device to its uh, board of directors, meaning that it's probably close to coming out. So this question around um, what is fitness and health in the uh, in the metaverse? What is it in the you know in augmented reality? Is fitness you know Pokemon Go from now on, where you're running outside to find you know P artificial Pikachu in the uh, near the airport in Arizona, or uh, or is it? Oh God, even I know this probably makes you vomit too. But the uh, the dude strapped into the harness with like the running shoes on the. You know what I'm talking about? The VR pad, like he's got the VR on, he's got the, like, they're basically these, like these little pods that you can like stand in that have like a curved surface. Oh, that, like, nice. makes, makes it seem as if you're walking or running like in virtual space. So like, obviously virtual reality, like runs out at a certain point, right? Yeah. Cause you're, otherwise you're going to bang yeah. into the wall. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So with, you've got the little pods that are, it's not quite like a treadmill per se. It's more like a semi slippery okay. surface put on certain shoes for it, but you can walk or run. Okay. But you're just standing in place. Yeah. Really. And like, yeah. is that, you know, <laughs> I think that's probably like the fact that we'll be discussing that over time is funny. Um, you know, well, how much work is actually being done on this, uh, contraption with the, with your slippery shoes on in space? Yeah. Yeah. And I think just like the, uh, devices, there's probably a spectrum, right? There's like, real life barbell there's real life just walking in rocks and then there's a uh, pokemon go which is at least you're outside and then there's like being in the little pod and running and then there's the matrix where you're just not even moving it's just the brain uh-huh yeah or wally -E, i guess is a more is a more humorous version on that side yeah, yeah. matrix would be i guess the adult version but wally -E would probably be more generalized on it yeah. um so yeah, those are some of the, you know, broader questions that we were asking. Um, and, you know, just as a refresher, you know, philosophy is main job with a lot of different things, but especially with regards to technology is to make sense of like, what does this all mean? Like all of these things are happening, whether we like them or not, big data is happening, privacy issues, consolidation of tech, art, you know, artificial reality, virtual reality, like how do we make sense of who we are and what the world is in relation to all these things? So that's, that's the project we're engaged in here. Obviously not in the full general sense related to any issue, but more specifically with relation to health and fitness. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, an easy one, although you didn't ask, an easy one for me to start on your list is, uh, or maybe it's not part of the list, but how it, it, how it affects the coach. So, you know, for the, you know, make the assumption that for the next, you know, um, 30, 40, 50 years, let's say, um, you know, fitness coaching will still exist. You know, we could, we could start with that and then say, you know, if that is the case, uh, not forgetting the past and not recognize, not forgetting also like what's happening in the current times, but you know, what would be, you know, how, how is fitness going, fitness coaching going to, you know, blend with this technological changes that are going to occur. Right. So I could start there. And some yeah. of the things that I feel comfortable about saying is that it's very similar to the last call, I think, Robbie, is that uh, we are certainly going to have to continue to find a way to blend with, you know, the, the cultural, the culture, the cultural expectations of how to use technology. We're certainly going to have to do that, meaning the, 
the, the fitness coach in the future is going to have to be constantly aware of these, what seemingly looks like all these adaptations in human evolution um, and just be aware of it, you know, just be cognizant of the fact that, listen, it's, it's natural for us as humans to try to get more efficient and try to use this base of technology to, to do things a whole lot easier. Right. And I think to, to recognize that as a fitness coach will get you off into the right path because you'll be able to then see any of these things that come up, um, or these new devices or new concepts at any point in time in the next 30 years, you'll be able to say, let's just take a second here now to think about, you know, okay, it makes sense that humans want to do this. <laughs> um, and then, and then say, well, how does this, how does this still blend with what I think is best for this person for fitness vitality? And I think that's where I'd, I'd start with that feeling comfortable that I think that's where, you know, uh, coaches will have to be in the future in their mindset. Um, thoughts on that as a starting point for fitness and fitness coaching. And then I was going to chat a little bit about uh, my second point on intuition. Yeah, no, I think that's a great starting point. And I think it brings up this, um, I think it brings up a couple of things. I think it brings up, you know, the role of critical thinking for the coach and being able to evaluate things that might come before you. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's going to be, there's going to be a spectrum, right? There's going to be a spectrum of devices or apps or things like that. You know, not all technology is good. There's going to be some that we might say, oh, maybe this is beneficial. And this allows us to see things that we didn't pre previously see, perhaps a uh, in-body scan. Now then there can be a counterpoint about, well, do we even need an in-body if everyone's doing the BLGs? Well, you know, we, we currently don't exist in that world, but given, given the world that we're in, right. Something yeah. like that would be beneficial or things that are maybe neutral, like, you know, you used to track it on a pen and paper, but now there's, um, now there's an app that remembers your previous score. So that's, that's kind of convenient and cool and people like an app and then things that are, you know, detrimental to the, uh, to the project, um, you know, technological developments that come along that seem as if they are progress, but as a coach, you'd have to be like, well, is this really adding anything? Or is this taking away? Is this, oh, you know, if you're, if your heart rate isn't here, or if, you know, whatever, whatever, if your ketone body, whatever measurement we're using, that's like, oh, the higher, the better, um, you know, that, that philosophical reflection on, well, is this one metric the right metric to be measuring? And even if it is, is it part of a larger story? And, you know, what sort of um, behaviors is this leading someone into by making them think like, oh, I have to just increase this VO2 max or ketones or, you know, heart rate or what, what have you. So, yeah. yeah Cause I uh, immediately think of uh, not necessarily the ones that are, uh, you know, have poor intentions or are going to cause people problems, but elliptical machines, electric bikes and pickleball. <laughs> Those are the, the three that, you know, some listeners may be like, Oh, why would you want to pick on those three? Cause it's all based upon each one of those listeners perceptions on where those things fit in for their clients. Right. And where they fit into the public conversation to my point being is that those I would consider examples of modern technological marvels. Right. But really they're just adaptations to make things easier for people. 
So, and of course there could be arguments inside that. And it's always the arguments like, well, some people can't ride a bike. So electric bike is, it's like, uh, I'm not even willing to, you know, discuss that. But where, where, where I think there's some lines to be drawn that are a little deeper is, um, is the, is coaches critically thinking enough, but also getting your clients quote unquote up to speed in, in awareness, awareness of what are these things that we want to believe in inside of fitness. And then you'll allow them to make their own decisions and even giggle at the fact that are on elliptical machine over time. Right. They'll be like, this is so easy. Like, why am I doing this? Right. And allow them just to be giggle at it. Like, <laughs> like, I can't believe I fell for that. Um, but for that, but that, that, that humorous giggle though, from that client though, is a sign of awareness, right? A sign of awareness of what it's a sign of awareness that we're all on board, the coach and all your clients to recognize that we want to physically challenge ourselves more than what we're currently capable of consistently all the time. Right. And I think that that's what I meant by the, the, the connector there or where the lines are drawn is that I think if, if that's the premise inside there, uh, I, I, I would ask you then, Robbie, if you think the same way, I think technology actually in a lot of the cases I mentioned, right. Pick a ball for the people that were playing tennis or just wanted to find an easier version of tennis, uh, electric bikes now, cause they don't want to mountain bike anymore or go uphill, you know, using their own power, um, or ellipticals, right. Because, you know, walking outside hurts their knees. And so they need a non-impact form of <laughs> activity. Sorry, I shouldn't be laughing, but that's the main reason why it sold. And it was sold to me in the YMCA back in the, in the late nineties. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that's the, that's the thing we want to have everyone with the same conversation of, right. Are we all agreeing that we want to continue to physically challenge ourselves over time? And then we can just giggle at the fact those technological marvels are just what we thought were going to be like answers to our development, but really they're just, uh, they're just part of the, part of the, the method. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those are good examples. Although I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that uh, while I've heard the term pickleball before, I, I don't actually know what it is. Okay. It's so it's a of tennis you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's played on a, you know, a smaller tennis court now. Um, and uh, so two aside, I mean, you can do individual, but, two aside is the more popular version. And, uh, they're now taking up as an example in my community, uh, we had five tennis courts in one particular lower community area next to a swimming pool, grass area, park, basketball court, et cetera. And in two years period, uh, during COVID and then post COVID, um, all tennis courts are being taken up and taken over and removed. And now what they're putting in place is, uh, I think eight full pickleball courts, just to show you the, 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 the depth of this, um, as you know, example, South of here, there's 87 courts set up specifically for pickleball and state and national championships, etc. So basically it's a, you have a paddle and you have a ball. It's not, it'd be unfair, it'd be unfair to call it you know, the classic wiffle ball, but it's like a, it's like a wiffle ball. That's just smaller than a softball. So you can imagine if you, if you smoke it, it's not really going to go tremendously far. Right. 
but you can have some play on it and some movement and spin, et cetera. Placement is easier. The whole point being is I'm probably sure you're starting to recognize it now. You don't have to move as far, <laughs> right? Uh, the courts are smaller. So inclusivity <laughs> and uh, everyone can do it, you know? And so everyone has taken it on as being a new, new version. The way I see it is just that uh, I think tennis was technically and physically too hard for a lot of people. Um, and so uh, this new thing came in and, you know, people were like, oh, it's basically just like tennis. Let's remove the tennis courts and put pickleball in place. So quote unquote, in 2022, it's a technological marvel, right? Um, and, and believe me, it has steam. It has significant steam you know, to, the, to the point where, and I'll stay on this because it's part of this technology, technology and fitness. Uh, we went, my daughter is uh, uh, really invested in tennis, in her own personal tennis uh, journey. And uh, we go to this store called All About Tennis. And we went there a number of years ago to get her first racket. And I've seen it evolve over time into this like, uh, all about tennis is the name of the store, but 50% of the stuff inside is energy on pickleball and tennis. <clears throat> so philosophically, I get up to the, t- up to the, <laughs> you, you can see I what's coming. Oh, man. You just know what's coming, right? <laughs> Sir. So I just kind of Sir. float. <laughs> Sir. I just kind of floated, <laughs> you know, I just kind of floated across the table. Cause there's, you know, one guy who's the owner up back string and a racket and there's a younger person working string and rackets. And these are all awesome people, by the way, too, but, um, and really helpful. And I was like, man, um, wh- what's your, what's your thoughts on the, the encroachment of pickleball, you know, taking over all these tennis courts. That was my initial question. And, uh, and they were like, oh, we love it. We love it. We love the fact that, so from their perspective, you know, they sell rackets, they sell the, the thing, you know, they're like, you know, whatever. But, uh, I, I mentioned to him, I was like, you know, this all sounded good too, philosophically to the, uh, I called it the, uh, the people who own the ski hill. If you went back into the 90s and the people who owned the ski hill, if you went to their shop, right, and were like, so what do you think about this snowboard revolution, right? What would they say? Oh, we think it's awesome, right? We think it's awesome. But, <laughs> but if you spoke to the skiers at the time, yeah, they thought they were little pothead punks that were going to ruin the hill, right? This is so, and that, that ended, you know, that didn't end, sorry. Uh, that kind of worked itself out over time, but it essentially is ending the quote unquote leisure ski pursuit, you know, avenue. So, I mean, it's been 30 years, but that pursuit is actually diminishing more and more over time. If you go look at rentals, what are people doing on the Hill, et cetera. You know, my whole point being is that, uh, you know, I saw that happening and asked at the time, whoa, you know, to my point, this, uh, this is a technological revolution, right? <laughs> Snowboarding at the time, right? And uh, I just find it so funny that uh, people are tripping up over themselves to, to do it. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to put them together with pickleball versus tennis because snowboarding oh, yeah. Please was don't. probably essentially harder, you know, compared to skiing, let's say, right? Um, but I just find it interesting how you know, people are just, you know, all on board with this new, you know, evolution of it. 
as a tech. So that's what pickleball is. It's perceived as the technological revolution. And I see it just like an elliptical trainer and an electric bike. That's the exact, that's the, I see it as golf with holes that are this big. That's how I see pickleball. Like three feet wide holes. Yeah, that's how I see pickleball. Um, and people are going to be really hurt by that statement. I know who really love it. Like, yeah, but there's pros. Yeah. I could say the same thing for mixed model. <laughs> oh, there's, there's pros in that fitness sport thing. No, James, of all the statements you have made, this, this is the one that will go down in infamy, the pickleball. <laughs> that, that, that's the one that'll do you in. Everyone will know who knows me. I'm still butthurt from the, uh, the uh, deconditioned uh, person on the electric bike that was like zooming up the hill past me on my mountain bike when I was gassed out on a mountain behind my house. Everyone knows I'm still butthurt by that. So. And that's, it's like one of those scenes from a movie where like, that's the origin story of like the person coming back for like revenge. And like, that's your origin story of like, why no electric bikes? Yeah. I'm so glad you didn't lump snowboarding in there because that might've been, you know, remember that when I joked about LeBron James being the greatest of all time, like yep. that would have been, that would have been the reverse, um, <laughs> the, the reverse for me. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah. But uh, no, I mean, I, I actually, no, I think this is actually a super interesting, uh, super interesting discussion related to technology. Cause I do think, you know, as with everything in life, there's a balance and there's a spectrum, but you know, on the one hand, like, Oh yeah the whatever proto tennis was where you were like throwing a rock in each other's hand probably sucked a little bit, you know, well, maybe that's a version of cash, but you know what I mean? Like there's probably an inflection point of like athleticism and ease. Like I'm sure people before tennis looked at it and was like, Oh, is that easier now than the thing we did before? But there's also to your point, a inflection point of like, when does this become a, um, it's no longer a, or does it slide down towards not an athletic pursuit towards like a board game? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's an example of, I think I love your word becoming easier. I tried to think of something that would, you know, hit it home for everyone is uh, I see pickleball as like replacing 225 pound deadlifts times 10 with like, uh, you know, uh, 50 pound really soft, like bendable, no knurling barbell, <laughs> you know, and, but it, but, but it says 225 on the outside of the plates, you know what I'm saying? So people are like, well, is it, is it really <laughs> 225, you know, it's like, it's deadlifting, you know, so the hair there comes into, so just because it's easier, is it still deadlifting? This is, this is where, it comes down to, I think the, uh, I think what what you're what you're what you find interesting and what we're what we're saying here is that technology can provide ease of use, but does that make it more challenging? Yes, that's exactly it. And I mean, the further thing I would add to that is yes, technology generally makes things easier. Although, I suppose there's some isolated cases where it can. Oh, for sure. Hard. Yeah, harder like inner sure. base training and you know these these what are, you know these newer like the tonal and things like that yeah um however 
you know, as we've mentioned a number of times uh, with regard to health and just evolutionary biology, the way we are, you know, essentially carved as humans is through challenge is through, you know, like the easier things get the less. And, and of course there's, there's a balance there, right? There's, you know, again, this has to be like a spectrum. This doesn't mean you need to, you know, go out and uh, fight a bear. And, you know, I mean, there, there are all these different things, but there's, there's, there's a balance in the middle and technology seems to be pushing in the let's make things progressively easier direction, which for some things is good and beneficial, but for health and fitness, um, this is, this is an affliction, right? The easier, the more comfortable we are in terms of temperature, um, you know, the more comfortable we are in terms of, uh, not being exposed to certain germs. I mean, there's so many different examples that we could list, um, that actively goes against health in one way or another. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Said it, said a different way. I love that. Um, I'll say it a different way and how people may connect to CCP language. Remember the max physical potential chart, right? Or the max physical potential line. Uh, do you remember that Robbie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, cool. Right. Um, time and physical potential on the side. If you're only thinking physically, right? So if you were to like, you know, microscopically look at, at that line, like to really blow it up like 10 X time. Right. Do you see you're now getting at like a snippet of two months, right. For a person who's 16. Does that make sense? Like on the, on the area of the, where the line is going yeah. up. Right. So, so like open that, open that, open that, open that 10 times. It's like, Oh, we're there. That's February and March for someone who's 16. Right. So inside of that, I mean, the, the line looks like this, right. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the point. I I think that if this is, I I don't know how I'll have to help. You'll have to help me here to make sure I I describe this carefully, but if this is the line that's written, you know, what we talk about there is we want, we want humans to do whatever it is to keep like flirting with what your physical potential is at the time. Right. It's not, it's not this, it's not going over what you're actually capable of doing. Right. Right which would be CrossFit workouts for 25 to 35 years of age. <laughs> no, we, we don't want you to continually do that. We want you to like, you know, get up and kind of see like where, you know, what's the top end. Okay, good. Yeah. Come back down out of there and then, and then go back up. So, so what is that? That's constant physical challenge where technology fits in here. I think technology can sometimes give you the thinking that you're pushing up against your potential, but you're not. You know I mean, it, it can give you the perception, you know, perception like, oh, I'm tracking things. Oh, you must definitely be working towards your potential. It's like, no, you're lifting soft weights, thinking it's 225 pounds. You know, I'm saying so there's there's something in bumping up against your physical potential that technology, I think, today generally doesn't allow. Said the same way you did, but just a different different way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I agree with that. And then, I mean, the flip side of that, going back to our, you know, um, fitness equipment discussion, that's where technology can allow certain progress related to that, uh, that endeavor, I think like, oh, okay. Well, as opposed to this, you know, one pound rock over here and this 32.5 pound rock over here that I can't even, or I guess you could weigh. And then this 400 pound rock over here, like, oh, well, now we have these more precise ones that we can, and we can lift them in different ways. It doesn't just have yep. to be a deadlift. It doesn't just yep. have to bend. Um, and, uh, you know, 
oh, I can say, well, instead of having to make a 50 point jump each time, or not even a 50 point jump, there's staccato jumps, I can make these uh, smaller jumps. That That is where like, you are still able to have some sort of human challenge in it. It's just that it's now more um, manageable and linear than it might have otherwise previously been. Yes. Um, is yeah. that nefarious? I tend not, I tend to think not. Um, I mean, I guess there, I could see where there's maybe a counter argument. Well, you know, how humans had to do it where it was more staccato in the past. And, but I think that that is really where it gets to the issue of like, it can't just be, you know, no technology whatsoever. Uh, but there are times where like the technology makes it slide into this, how much athleticism is involved in it to begin with type, type thing, you know, yeah, yeah. Ball, electrical bike, um, you know, electrical bike in the context of you're in San Francisco and you don't want to sweat on your way to work. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not call it athleticism, but I, I, I'll just try to find another word. Cause I just don't like that word. Um, and I know what you're saying. I physical mean, uh, literacy. Uh, or like, you don't, you don't have to, physically express, you don't, yeah, you don't have to physically express yourself or you don't have to be as physically competent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Com physical competency. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I knew, I know what you're saying. I just, I yeah. get triggered on that word. No, I get that. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah, but it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting discussion. And then like, you know, what are the, um, I thought you brought up a good point with pickleball, which again, that was helpful kind of hearing the explanation of, you know, you could see it potentially with the electrical bike. Like what are the intentions? Like um, one charitable interpretation might be something like smaller, more, more eco-friendly thing that someone can kind of cart around or they don't want to like soak through their suit on their way to work in San Francisco. And then there's, from what I understand, again, I know very little bit, pick, a little I know very little about pickleball, but from what you're describing, like uh, the society at large has gotten less and less athletic. So we are now moving the goalposts, so yeah. to speak, to accommodate that. And are we now making things easier at the cost of like, well, what's what's the pickleball after pickleball? Right? Meta. Like, yeah, yeah, meta. Basically. Right? The Oculus, yeah. No, actually, you sit in your living room with goggles on and you're playing pickleball with your friends. That's what it is. You know, so it, uh, and I think we'll get to that maybe <clears throat> like the, the, the long-term consequences of that in, in, uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, humans, it's just, it's just us. Like, that's what we do, right? We want to make things, we want to make things easier, you know? Um, and it's at the point where we look around and see a lot of us, like the majority of all of us are not in like tip top high physical potential shape. Right. So what do we do? Right we fix what's broken with these technological marvels. And then everyone gets on board with it because they're like, oh, see, people can do this. <laughs> it's like, okay, you know, I guess. So it, it can't surprise us that we try to put those things into place. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I uh, caught your point on the, the, the thing that's made. It's not like I, I just throw these things out about the electric bikes without my research, by the way. But uh, most people who go to the electric bike don't do it for environmental concerns. Um, they do it for ease. And so those people, because to, to, sometimes I hear that and it's, 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 it's not, not from you, but I hear it from some people. And I think it's obnoxious actually as an, an argument 
where they actually have to use the electrical grid and coal <laughs> in order to power up their bike. Um, <laughs> that they could very well powered themselves to get to work on a bike. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's never the people that were like, oh, I'm getting rid of my old diesel F-150 and I'm getting an electric bike to go to work. You know, it's not those people. <clears throat> those people are saying, look at me, I got an electric bike and here I am just over here, but like, you know, you could have just powered it yourself. <laughs> and actually been far more environmentally friendly <laughs> than hooking that up to the electrical grid. Um, that's a conversation for another time on nuclear energy and the intermittent you know, electrical vehicle promises, et cetera, et cetera. But I see that, I see that being you know, um, something that I just, yeah, I thought I'd mention. Um, can, can we uh, go to... Uh, just because it was on my line of thinking, and it does tie in a little bit to the, what we just finished discussing, but where technology, uh, I draw issue with it on what I'd like to have with humans over time about their intuition as to what to do for physical activity and fitness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd like to talk about that because I actually, yeah, I have thoughts and questions related to uh, technology and how it could actually be uh, a useful addition to both an individual and a coach and as a form of awareness that goes beyond intuition. So I'd, yeah, I'd love to discuss that. Yeah. Well, I'll just start with, uh, you know, we could probably link in the LearnRx uh, uh, video that people could go watch. Uh, it's called, how am I doing? Um, it was my uh, contribution at a one-on-one level to how humans can just assess these natural processes um, to gain uh, intuition as to how they're doing, um, like how they're doing in living, you know, like be intuitive around what your poop looks like and be intuitive around what your urine looks like and be intuitive around your day-to-day -day energy levels and be intuitive around, you know, how this exercise feels to you. Um, and be intuitive around like, um, what your immune system health is like, you know, being intuitive around, you know, is this physically challenging enough for me or is it too challenging for me like gaining all this intuition and then with all that intuition it allows you to have this constant uh ownership of this awareness uh of this feedback that's happening right relative to how you're responding to all these things so then it's very simple to you know to eat mcdonald's on the road while you're traveling 12 hours through texas and uh and then to, you know, shit your pants at night in the hotel room and then not crap all next day. And then the following day after that, shit your pants again after you ate at Denny's. Like, and to just to connect this intuition, my whole point being, and I'll just stop there for your thoughts on it and where you wanted to go with it, is that I don't think you need technological devices to, to, for, for people to gain this intuition. Um, I think they can actually look at what is currently happening with their day-to-day -day practices. And that I do see today, you know, a lot of uh, technological companies and devices and wearables saying that they will be able to help the client become more aware of what's going on. And I don't think, I don't think that's the case. Um, I generally think in most cases it's more nefarious because they just want to have uh, data accumulation or um, you know, just, uh, 
just, pr- you know, privacy issues, you know, surveillance, capitalism, bullshit comes up in it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's right. That's where I see, you know, technology playing a role for fitness today, especially for the fitness coach, right? Cause the fitness coach is generally like, you know, we'll ask the question, James, what's your thoughts on whoop? And the answer is, has to be fairly long, right? Um, it can't, it can't just be a, a CNN bit on, you know, just, you know, just go to bed, see what time it is, wake up, see what time it is. That's your, <laughs> that's the time you slept, you know? Um, and then subjectively, did you wake up? You know, what was it like, et cetera? Look at your feedback over time, what you're doing day to day, and that'll determine how your sleep is like. And I think that, uh, technology just gets in the way of that intuition, uh, for today. Yeah, I think there's uh, a large extent to which I agree with that. And I think there's a lot of value to, you know, the subjective aspect and the intuition aspect um, to a lot of things. Uh, I think for me, there definitely is, um, you know, I, I think I think we have to, to me, there has to be some sort of division between the research behind certain scientific metrics and then, you know, potentially their nefarious use as a form of capitalism and privacy, you know, um, stuff like, you know, I don't think the people who came up with the original CGM were trying to steal people's data um, or HRV as a metric, but like, I, but I, I see, I see what you're saying in terms of data collection. I think, um, I think there is a way in which some of these things can provide a form of awareness that, to go back to our language of challenge actually challenges folks in a way in which they may not already be challenged. So I, I mean, I, I see it fairly frequently and maybe we could say it's, you know, part of the culture today where people aren't aware, where people can eat McDonald's and shit a tin, tin can, you know what I mean? They have no, di- well, no overt digestive issues. Yeah. Uh, where someone's like, I had someone the other day say to me like, uh, I don't ever feel my blood sugar, you know, going crazy. I don't feel like I have these issues now. And again, we, you know, we could say, well, maybe they haven't been trained to do so, or if they were raised in the right environment, uh, where they were paying attention to this stuff. Yeah. And, and perhaps, perhaps that's true. Uh, I don't, I don't doubt that at all, but I, I do think the same way there are different levels of motor control and proprioception in different people. Not everyone has the same level. I think there are different levels of interoception, different levels of one's awareness of one's own inner workings um, and something like an in-body, something like a CGM, something like your ferritin levels or your cholesterol or what have you can provide a, oh, you don't feel stressed? Well, what are your, you know, I, I mean, that's that's another one I've seen too, where it's like, oh yeah, you don't feel stressed at all subjectively fine. And then cortisol levels um, crazy. Now, obviously it's not that the objective stuff is right. And the subjective stuff is wrong. You have to marry the two and you have to figure out like what's going on that these two aren't fitting. Um, but I, I personally think there are some forms of these things that can provide a useful form of raising awareness in the current environment in which you live. Again, this is a environment where we have to do a lot of correction, right? We're not, we're not talking about a situation where everyone grows up with the proper BLGs and physical challenges and things like that. But in this environment of challenge and correction, I personally do see a use for it when someone's digestion is 
you know, quote unquote, perfect according to the Bristol stool chart, or they don't feel the energy ups and downs or other stuff like that. And it's like, oh, wait, no, things are going wrong if, um, you know, your HRV is 15 at age 22 or, or something like that. So those would be some of my initial thoughts there. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, this, we went, we, we went through this, I forget what topic it was. We went through the same, the same thing, um, similar to this, maybe three episodes ago, maybe four. I can't remember Robbie. Yeah. Well, I forget what the context was, but, uh, might've been the CGM. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, anyways, it, I'll, I'll say the same thing now as what I did then is that I think that uh, people people should gain personal awareness awareness through knowledge and experience, not through tech. Um, so and and there's all there's always these uh, and and I remember I don't know if you remember is because from my experience of the like even with positive intentions doing diagnostics in serum testing stools et cetera et cetera. Uh, with like the quote unquote great BLGs. And yet I see these things uncovered under the diagnostics. What ended up happening with most of those people is not successful. I don't know if you remember me saying that is like on the back end, it never truly was successful because they then used quote unquote, the diagnostics and the assessment as a way of saying, see, see, that's the problem. It never, they never really got to the, to the base level. So again, again, on the back end, we're probably going to you know, uh, you know, say the same thing we did last time, which was, yeah, so it, it's very, it's very tough to find. It's very tough to find, uh, in my opinion, uh, a, a way where technology can fit in there. Um, and my, my point will always be, it means that in my opinion, inside of that system with the coach and the client or the relationship, the personal awareness knowledge gain was not exhausted. It wasn't exhausted enough. That that's where I, that's where I generally, you know, can then be like, you know what? I, I, I did that numerous times, right? I didn't exhaust all the things, you know, and, you know, I got into it and, and did all the testing and et cetera. <clears throat> and then long-term down the road, it didn't end up, you know, in call, call it quote unquote increasing knowledge because of that base of technology technological support. What it ended up being was a host of other things where they could lay blame for what was going wrong. Um, and uh, yeah, so the uh, yeah, I I, uh, I think that the tech thing for me will always be. Um, <laughs> let's put it in a like a, a humorous humorous tone um i never was a lawyer but in another life i probably probably could have been um because i love being right and uh i i think about i think about you know where i would lose in court <laughs> and and i would always lose in the health and fitness court <laughs> because i would <clears throat> I would never be able to provide evidence. You know, I, I would never be able to like, see, it's like for precedent from <laughs> Brown V 
uh, Gustin <laughs> back in 1975. He tried to prove that all these stool assessments <laughs> would get these people up to speed on their awareness around their digestive health. Um, anyways, I, I would never, my, my argument or my points will never quote unquote win in the court of fitness <laughs> because I'll never be able to provide evidence of, uh, of all these long-term studies written on exhaustive exemplary, you know, lifestyle guidelines. Uh, which would then thwart all this, all the technological things. So I know my faults in my argument as well. <laughs> Meaning is that yeah. I got nothing, I got nothing to, you know, I got, I got nothing to stand on with regards to proof of if, you know, if you just exhaust out, for example, if you just exhaust out um, the point you were making on an avatar client who has, you know, great shit, but uh, they, there's something, other things that are going on, even though they never, ever had a HRV, you know, I think through experience, through their training and feedback, that person, quote unquote, exhausted program, meaning, you know, you're really digging into the relationship over a couple of years. You won't need the HRV, in my opinion, to make them recognize, you know what, you could still have like what you call good shit, but your day-to-day -day energy levels are not hundred percent, you know, and your, your recovery from that thing we did a couple of weeks ago, you weren't capable of recovering really well for that. So these are like intuitive things that will you and the coat, you and the client can then discuss, like, do we really need technology in order to become aware of this? Or could we just say like, it is what it is, you know, no, no B vitamins or magnesium supplementation is going to fix the fact that this is your maximum potential. And we just got to be careful of what we do when we get up to that potential and then come out of it and then up against it and come out of it and up against, come out of it. Um, sorry for being lengthy on that one, but. No, that's okay. And I mean, you know, I, I think to a large extent, there's, there's a lot that I agree with in what you said. And I, I, you know, can totally see the point that sometimes these things are um, accessed too fast in relation to different intuitive markers that, could be utilized um, more thoroughly as a coach. I, yeah, I mean, I also don't, you know, it's not a bad thing or wrong thing. I mean, we've done episodes on disagreement. I see your position and it's fine for us to have different rational positions on it. Um, I personally, and I, I was thinking about this the other day and I was talking about it to Brandon. I think part of where our, made, our disagreement may come down to two, um, although in different ways, I don't think we've had an episode on human nature. And I think that would be a good one too. Like I think Kant and what others have said, and you know, there are different views on human nature. I think it's baked in. It's not a, it's not a recent feature. It's not technology. It's not the past hundred years. It is baked in. Socrates talked about this for us to self-deceive, for us to believe our energy is better than it is, to believe all this other stuff is better than it is. Like you know, it's the, uh, it's the funny joke that, you know, uh, well, I guess, depending on how you look at it, whether it's funny or not, like men think they look way better than they do. And women think they look way worse than they actually do. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where objective metrics come in. That's where it's like, no, okay. You have an in body that says, you know, zero, zero, like no objectively for health and longevity, you do not need to lose more weight. You may choose for aesthetics or something like that. Um, so I, 
I do think there are a lot of people, not and not everyone, and you know, I, I do think there's very. I mean, that's that's another important thing too. Like, there's variance among humans, and I don't think you're ever going to correct that. I do think there's some people who are going to be more able to access and rationally evaluate what it is they're feeling, and then go about intuitively correcting that. And I think there are others who won't, either due to lack of interoception or due to lack of willingness to reflect on it, for which they need a third party, what have you, uh, data pushback. Um, I also think with regards to things that I don't care how hard you BLG, and maybe this is a data point too that we could discuss, like, you know, 10 years before the autoimmune process starts, the biological process starts, and you can't feel that. And then five years before it actually happens, it's in the blood, but you still can't feel it. And then symptoms are the dead last thing to appear. Uh, not just for autoimmunity, but for chronic health conditions, right? Um, like you can't feel cancer growing. Do you know what I mean? You can't feel an autoimmune process going on until it's too late. So there are things where I feel like, yeah, you can kind of, um, your, your, your body will put up with things for as long as it can until it can't. And I was having a discussion with a client the other day who really, he finds financial analogies helpful. And I was thinking of, you know, the analogies that help with finances uh, and food, which are kind of like, you know, always be making deposits. So when you need to make a withdrawal, you can, you know, like eat mostly real whole food. So when you want to celebrate something for your birthday, you can. But one really important um, asymmetry I found between finances and food, especially today, whether you choose to access it or not, you can readily find out how far in financial debt you are. Like you could readily, if you wanted to pull up, you know, Mint or your bank account or whatever and see, oh, I'm $10,000 or $100,000 in debt. Um, you can deceive yourself for a really long time about that with regard to health. You can tell yourself, oh yeah, my energy is okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That type of stuff. And that, that's, that is the use, that is one of the uses I see for these objective metrics where it's like, holy shit, I thought my energy was good. Or I thought, you know, my blood sugar was fine. Or I thought my digestion was good. And it's like, uh, no, 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 it was not. And it wasn't, you know, sometimes it's the coach not teaching them enough about intuition and interoception. And I would totally grant that that's something we should do a better job of. But I think um, it's something where, again, it goes back to human nature and self-deception where people will deceive themselves until the heart attack, right? I mean, this is a famous example, right? People will deceive themselves till they're blue in the blue in the face with a with a heart attack and be like, oh, well, now I need, actually need to do something. Well, what if we could do something short of that to actually put you, you know, on the correct course? So that's yeah. those are those are my thoughts there. But um, yeah, no, that's I, I, good. I, 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 uh, you have to say as well. Yeah, no, it's um, well, I heard, I heard something you said. Sometimes if they're if people are not willing, they may need a third party, and I think the the willing aspect, again, that draws up uh, that draws up this issue of, you know, I, I just really think that the exhaustion of what you're calling interoception or or self awareness, you know, we're just not we're just not exhausting that. I.e., the 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 uh, I still don't think technology should fall in place when people are in that example, not willing, 
or even incompetent of gaining personal awareness, my, my thing is that you just need to work harder. You, need, you and the client need to work harder on gaining more awareness. And I think if technology gets in the middle, it could, it could certainly create an aha moment, but it's still on a base support of poor intentions. You know, to your point of, I'll, I'll inject the word that you used, it's self-deception, right? I still don't think that's going to necessarily help people over time. Um, and the example of the heart attack one, um, that's difficult for me to, to, to be okay with as an example, because, you know, it, it, you, it's going to find it very hard for me to see a, uh, to see the story that would give that, you know, uh, credence, uh, of the person who physically challenged themselves correctly and with good intentions all the time. And then was surprised to have a heart attack, right? Um, you know, so what I was trying to say there is that people self-deceive themselves all the time and, you know, they have a shitty diet or shitty lifestyle and then they have a heart attack. Like, oh my God, I'm so surprised. Um, yeah, but you'll never see that with someone who has real positive intentions of physical challenges all the time. So it's, you, it's, it's hard to say, oh, it's just the, the self-deception in the diet, yet they did have great BLGs and they they considered themselves to have great energy, et cetera, et cetera, but they were surprised to have a heart attack. I still don't think that technology is the fix for that. I think the, the, I think the fix for that would be lots of conversation with that particular person on, on what they consider to be you know, great potential all the time, like great physical expression and great food choices and et cetera. <clears throat> and if, you know, you went through an inventory of that for the past four or five years with those individuals, and no matter what they answered, right, they, they just knew how to answer you with, uh, with, the right, with the right questions, but you were like, uh, but you haven't been exercising, right? So it's like, it's like, well, technology shouldn't be the technology, I don't think would be the answer to kind of help that some person become more aware. Um, Maybe, I mean, I guess it depends what we mean by technology and it's not the sole thing, but it can be a helpful thing. I mean, one example I can think of, but I guess we have to be careful how much we get into the details of this Bob Harper, but there are, there are yeah. others too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, take another example of someone who it's a minority case, but someone is a hyper responder to dietary saturated fat. So mm -hmm. what is normal for 75% of the population where they can have beef or butter or ghee um, turns out is, uh, you know, for this particular person is far more problematic mm -hmm. and the way we access that is technology yeah genetic test blood work um yeah. now, now that that's certainly not the sole fix but um that is a relevant data point i think there yeah um i guess yeah we would have to get into the weeds if we wanted to continue that one with what we're calling relevance to the to the stories right the amount of stories in which that occurs and again, to all the data you would have to pull from those particular things, let's call it that for the saturated fat um, issues. Um, you know, is that is that always for people who have led really good physically expressive, you know, whole food lives, you know, and really did it end up, you know, number them at 48, just like dying of a heart attack tremendously? Um, I think it gets down to such few numbers based upon that. But I, where I do find something interesting in there <clears throat> could be, I mean, people die because of, 
genetic predispositions all the time. We've died forever because of genetic predispositions. Um, we also die because of wear and tear and we die because of toxic overload. Um, and more research into quote unquote, those genetic things, um, is a technological revolution, but it is, I think this will come down to maybe our conversation on human nature. Um, it comes down to, you know, people are going to be born into those situations regardless. And, you know, the amount of mutations that occur in those, we'll, we'll call them SNPs, you know, for, with regards to going to put people, you know, off the path of a, you know, regular physically expressed, cognitively expressed life, um, it's going to be such a small number that it, it, it shouldn't set a precedent for all these, all these things we need to be scared of for, for making sure everyone gets a measurement of like, well, what's your genetic profile when you're born so that you don't, you know, all of a sudden at, uh, at 48 explode, right. Or have a heart, heart issue. Um, so I think there is, I'm, I'm not, I'm not taking away from the importance from those, let's call it three out of 10,000, you know, males that are going to be born over the next couple of years that may have that quote unquote effect, um, that, you know, maybe, and maybe the, what three of those 10,000 males, you know, will end up being the night, the, the 2065 version of Bob Harper. Right. And it's like, well, you know, do we listen to that story? Yeah. We listen to that story. He's a fucking human. Right. And it's a human story, but you know, how, do, how does that, how does that create precedent for like how we live our lives physically expressing or cognitively expressing ourselves? And how important was it that we had that research on the three out of 10,000 having that specific SNP, um, you know, that caused that issue for, for, for the genes? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I mean, you know, it, and it all depends what we practically do with it. Right. I mean, on the one end, you're, I, I totally agree with you. It wouldn't be sufficient to be like, oh, everyone should be getting a 23andMe or blood work or something like that. But on the flip side, I don't think it's nefarious if someone wants to investigate that, uh, if they if they so choose, even with their BLGs in line. I think the other thing that's probably relevant to this conversation besides human nature is maybe um, a question around the limits of self-awareness and this is something I'm just genuinely curious about in, in your case and kind of what you, you think, because it's something I've thought a lot about uh, and wonder about too. Like, let's just take technology out of it. Um, you know, pre, pre-technological, pre-industrial age. I think it's a feature of human nature and the limits of self-awareness that we can be told certain things by our significant others or our friends or our family members that we no matter how good our self-awareness is, cannot see. Mm-hmm. I, I truly and fundamentally believe that. And I think that's, you know, something Aristotle has commented on and others have commented on. Like, I think there is, you know, what's the line in math and asymptote? Like there's a limit to uh, our self-awareness. And I think there, there's actually something um, unique about the fact that we actually have certain blind spots that we cannot see past for which, a good significant other or a friend or a teacher or a coach or a coworker can actually see past our own BS. I mean, I, I certainly know this has happened in my own case uh, and many others uh, who I've worked with, um, they were able to see past that. So, you know, I, I think, you know, some of the most important truths of that come from those human relationships. So I don't think technology supplants that in any way. Um, but I do think in certain instances it can provide 
certainly not at the same level of profundity of a human relationship, but I do believe it can help cut through our propensity for self-deception, which is different in every person um, in somewhat of a similar way. So I guess, I guess my, my question there that I'd just be curious to hear your thoughts about is one, do you think that there are intrinsic limits to human self-awareness that no matter how good someone is, there's a limit. And two, do you think that even pre-technology things like a significant other or a close friend or a family member or teacher or coworker can help us get past those things in the way in which no matter what we do, we could not ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. And yes. Um, especially the, uh, uh, you know, me, I love the seventies. So the, um, or we should say pre-technology area, not pre-industrial, but yeah, I totally resonate with your, um, with your point that, because uh, that's what I've been saying is that I think conversation and good relationships are required for that, right? You know, like I talk about that a lot in terms of, you know, the, 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 the real truest growth of yourself over time, you know, and I, I you could see inside of there is like, well, self-awareness is assumed that it's going to be inside of that is going to be by uh, you know, dictated, I would think by the society and the social settings that you have around that personal growth. Right. So why would I say that? It's not, it's not because of society that allows you to grow, but we are social creatures and we sometimes don't even recognize until we're really late in life that, um, it takes all the other people besides you to help you figure out what's best about you and, and what, what is the worst about you. And so, yeah, by all means, I'm totally in agreement with that. I'm just saying it differently that, uh, it takes, um, you know, as example, I just put down here the other day for, uh, a future education thing that I'm doing for young people. I think it's to take that perspective, the young person's mind as to how they see the world, um, and how they are influenced because how they are influenced and how they see the world is how they learn. Right. And and to say the, you know, to say it, it any other way, it's more than just their siblings, right? And it's more than just their parents. And it's more than just entertainers and actors, right? It's like grandparents and community leaders and the firemen and the pastor and the, the mayor and uh, their friend down the street and their neighbors and social media. Like it's, it's like all those things, right? So quote unquote, how does that person, you know, realistically gain more awareness of who they are as a human. I use the eight-year-old because at eight years of age, you know, biologically, you're like, you're like, you're sensing out, like, I need to move away from the nest a little bit, right? Like, I think I can tiptoe out of the nest and kind of like, and then you're looking up to the bigger people, like, how in the hell do I fit into the, to that whole thing? Like, where, where do I have a place in that? Right. Which is why at eight years of age, <clears throat> you're asking so many questions, like profound <laughs> questions about why, 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 why all this, right? Because essentially it is that. So yes, I'm just lengthily agreeing with your point that it in the pre-industrial or even pre-technology area, it takes relationships and conversation for people to gain more awareness, which he actually argues my point even more against technology that I think a lot of that can be gained, can be gained through conversation because another person is telling you like you don't know your shit and you need to recognize that i'm going to help you with recognizing you know 
what's wrong with your shit with there's a second there was a second part of so there's two parts that the the um now what was the other one something about this uh in uh in internal i forget the wording you said um interoception no man it was this uh embedded or something like that um so something about there was two parts of your question (laughs) pre-industrial so yeah the first question the first question was yeah the first question was is there an inherent limit to self-awareness yeah even among the best of us and then the second question was can (laughs) you know, relationships with friends and coworkers and family members help us get past that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the first one, I think I answered the second one or my thoughts on the yeah. second one, the first one. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I'm probably going to have to like, uh, spend more time contemplating on that one. Um, but my initial thoughts are that, yeah, there are, there are, uh, a lot of limitations to people, gaining, uh, self-awareness. Um, but you know, to bring it to up to speed for today and our call and what we do, um, I think that's the responsibility and the burden that the fitness coach takes when they want to get in a relationship with someone, um, is to act as that other person that's going to help that, that person gain more awareness of themselves. Um, because even by questioning that client, you are helping them. You're helping them recognize, wow, I thought I knew this about myself. And you're like, I, I'm, I'm not really sure, but I don't think you do. And, and the coach may not even be right on that, but at least they're like, just make sure you don't think it's all correct. <laughs> and so the, and, and so the client, you know, can, if they're, if they're, my point is, you know, I think if they're resilient enough, you know, physically and cognitively, I don't think technology needs to be put in place to like, to like, you know, bring that, that stuff up. I think it's that like back and forth with the coach that can get them to that with my, remember, this is with my presupposition that I assuming everyone is trying to reach for maximal physical and cognitive potential, because if, if no one's in it for that, you know, it's always like, well, this could work and this is in, and it's like, but this person doesn't even exercise, you know, like how much do you lift, bro? It's like, I don't even lift. It's like, Oh my God, I can't believe we've been, we haven't even discussed that, you know? So. Well, and I mean, you know, again, these are all good points and it's, you know, okay for us to have uh, different perspectives on the same issue. And there's a lot that I agree with here. I, I guess to take your very same point, cause I, I found this to be a very interesting conversation. I, I guess one thing I would wonder about there is, um, and I, I do think the relationship with the coach is very important. I, I've seen it before, you know, both personally and professionally where, you know, we talk about this as coaches all the time, right? You give one person the same cue and then another person gives a completely different cue and like, oh, all of a sudden, right? Or the wife of this person has been saying to the husband for years, like, oh, you need to do this and you do this. And the coach says it all of a sudden, so not in any way saying technology as the only or the main or everyone needs it, but what if, hypothetically speaking, there are some people, because we all vary, there are different personality types, there are some people for whom a relationship and a coach-client relationship is the thing that gets them to change, and there are some people for whom the spousal relationship gets them to change, or there's some people for the friendship relationship, and there are other people who are like, wow, when I see it on an in-body scanner, when I see it on a CGM, that does it. 
is that wrong or nefarious if for those people, if they so choose to investigate it? Um, I personally don't think so. I personally, you know, and I'm, I'm open to different perspectives on that. I don't, I don't think that's nefarious or wrong. I can see. Yeah. Where... My, my issue is not the intentions. My issue is always going to come back to, well, what is your define? What are you defining as success for that particular person? And that's when I went back to the Rolodex of examples that I had from my experience that was like, it never really worked out. You know, we never really worked out when I consider, well, what do you consider success? Well, I was considering success, autonomy and figuring out shit on their own, et cetera. Um, so I, yeah, I, by all means, I'm not, I, I would not call it nefarious. I, I don't think it was, I don't think it's nefarious. I think actually I knew it wasn't nefarious because I was acting on good intentions by implementing those technological things. Right. But then as I watched that stuff over time, I was like, yeah, but they, it just, you know, technology got in the way or whatever we want to call it, the diagnostics or the in-body or et cetera, you know, that got in the way, um, you know, and were there some people outside of my environment, Robbie, that, you know, use that. And then it was like, boo, you know, an aha moment. I'm sure it exists for sure. You know, I'm sure it exists, but it never worked out for me um, because uh, as I define success, I wanted to define success as they're still, they're still doing things and learning things 15 years down the road, you know, and being consistent and maybe teaching their kids about fitness. You know, that's what I considered success. And the, the ones, the examples that I had, and maybe the host of all those people really needed, you know, they didn't need me, but they needed, you know, a fix, right. They needed a fix of something. And I just kind of banged into their lives and had this technology and it was like, eh, and it just didn't work out anyways. But um, that's what I always, that's why I always fall back on is that define, define success in that, you know, and if success is, oh, these people went on to live really successful, you know, 50 year plan, physically expressed high cognition lifestyles, then you got me. And for that, I would say that's fucking, I'm fucking happy, you know, happy as fuck for that person. Right. Cause a lot of people don't get the chance to, to gain that awareness. So I want to clear that up. Yeah, I don't, I don't find that nefarious whatsoever. I don't think um, because I, I did it and I knew it was coming from positive. I, could try, I was actually trying to help people, right? <laughs> I thought this is the best thing for you. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, and I, I, I mean, I think, you know, the, the major gigantic point of common ground here between what we're both saying is like, we both agree that there is a tremendous amount of like intuition still left on the table and critical thinking very much still left on the table and awareness, just general awareness left yeah. on the table that, you know, an individual has access to, even if it doesn't, whether we've answered the question of whether it's an asymptote when it comes to self-awareness or not, there's a tremendous amount that's just still left on the table in terms of both the client and the coach. Um, whether one thinks technology has a role or not, there's a whole lot that we can, we can access before we might even need to turn to that. And I think that's a good point to bear in mind. Yeah. And what continues to cloud the conversation is like, is these generalized terms that we're using, you know, technology and fitness, right? It's like, again, it takes you and I to get really specific with something in order to like flush that out. And then once we flush it out, like just use InBody, we flush that out. Now we have a list of 75 other things that we need to like flush out exactly. Right. So we use, you know, technology. It's like, well, you know, but that, that's it. When you get into the conversation on that and for what we're trying to do, then I fully accept that, that it's going to be gray and there's going to be some loose ends on it. Yeah, but you know, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, just the same way we said there was a spectrum last week of different devices, like, 
the shake weight is technically technology, but like, so is blood work, you know, a CBC and a CMP did not really exist roughly a hundred years ago. Uh, Like, is it a good thing that exists? I think so. I think so. Like, I I think that's a good thing. I don't, uh, you know, is there a lot to be gleaned from our pre-industrial and pre-technological past, obviously at different points in history uh, about BLGs and certain things that we could do. Yeah, absolutely. Does blood work help add to the story and give, you know, finer points of detail about, Oh, are you careening towards a brick wall? Even with the BLGs? Yeah. I I, I do think that's a better rather than a worse thing, but uh, you know, to your point, I do think there's a tremendous amount of awareness and intuition and subjective um, interoception that's left on the table in terms of like, well, let's get that in line first before we dive into that other stuff. Yeah. And the blood work is another, is, is like the example I'd given earlier of in body, right. We'd have to specifically talk on that. Um, and then I'd have to give my points and my history on that too, for, uh, you know, serum collection stuff that I've investigated in since the early aughts that what it, what it did for me was essentially end up over time validating the BLGs, right? So, you know, could a, could a coach investigate in the education around blood work? Yes. But you know what it's going to do to you after 10 years, you're going to come back and say, you know what, you probably need to drink water, you know, for, for the, and, and then you can ask questions up front. So the, the point you made creaming towards a, you know, a big issue that doesn't come up because you haven't done blood work. That generally is the case from people who are not asking the, the inventory questions up front, because if someone came to you at 45, you know, five years of experience, you know, uh, I was just trying to describe someone I just seen more recently, he's not going to listen to it, you know, big old hard belly. And uh, this is the lifestyle that he leads, right? I don't need, my whole point is that I don't, I don't need him to know about blood work for him to gain awareness of the creaming towards a MI, you know, or a heart attack and having a gripper when he's down in Texas, you know, on the oil fields. Um, so yeah, this is where I think the, this is probably segueing into maybe an interesting conversation of, you know, the coach by themselves, you know, and that's why I started with the call on, which I think would be, you know, a nice circum circumvent back to it is that yeah it's the coach needs to know about all the technology technology and all the competency levels inside of the measurement of technology they need to know all those things but but how much does that need to like you know go to the client or have them involved in that process and the knowledge of it i think that's where it might be i may i may cause just using the serum markers another argument it may cause some uh, the similar kinds of, um, disagreements. Yeah. 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 I could see that. Um, well, yeah. Any, any other things to add on? I mean, we talked about a big, Gosh, I feel, I feel like we went through that list at the front and we only touched on a couple, but maybe, maybe we hit on all of them. I don't know. Um, do we, uh, do we jam on uh, technologies to how it applies to the fitness coaching profession today? Or how about the future? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we did. I mean, one of the things we set out to is we, we I mean, last time we were saying we were going to focus specifically on coaching. And I think that 
we, we did really, I mean, there are other things we could touch on, but I do think like, that's a big thing today, whether it's, you know, the in body or the whoop or blood markers or the uh, CGM or what have you, like what role does technology play in shedding more insight? And, you know, you laid out your position as very much like we just essentially don't need this stuff. It is a distraction uh, for the most part. And um, yeah, so that aspect of it, I think we definitely covered. Now there's a, there's a separate aspect that we can, touch on or maybe get into in another episode, which is the, uh, you know, artificial intelligence and to what extent is, you know, programming and nutrition and that, that type stuff, is that going to replace the coach? And then how does that leave room for, you know, the relationship and the human elements back in things as well? Yeah. Um, Amelia, you just said that I do have lots of things to discuss on that because, um, economics comes into it. Um, uh, conversations of scale for particular knowledge or gaining of knowledge for fitness comes into it. Um, you know, the similar kind of creep or encroachment that's happening with, uh, you know, trucking and retail and, and food, food, um, manufacturing and and things like that, where, you know, AI is, is creeping into in, in place of the human for that. And like what we do about it. So it may not seem like, it may not seem like fitness is inside of that conversation, but it is inside of that conversation, right? Um, I.e., you know, what happens over time when, you know, uh, CrossFit South Bend's uh, building just becomes ridiculously costly. It's just, you just cannot operate a business inside, right? Relative to inflation costs and the amount of money that people are making in the local area. And you're just like, well, you know, <laughs> how do we, how do we, operate this physical property space, you know, um, but I'm just trying to give you an example is like the, the, the answer to that is really, you know, it's just, just robots can, can do the job, right. Meaning like just a screen out in the public park, you know, <laughs> move like this. <laughs> right. Um, so I think I have, I have lots to discuss on that probably for another time. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be underneath the technological realm, but Hey, why not? We can do a part three keep that keep that thread going we could actually do fitness and technology all year i mean oh we could i mean an artificial artificial intelligence itself just that topic outside from being a technology topic is a famous topic within philosophy with john searle and others about like just even the possibility like um i'm trying to remember if i've ever mentioned on here did i ever mention the chinese room argument at all or is that familiar I'll, i'll give a super brief description and then if we we probably will do an episode on it um, at a later point. But just to give an example, um, is back when computation was starting and John Searle and others were talking about, um, you know, imagine you have one person on one side of the wall who hands, you know, words and phrases through the other side of the wall. And on the other side of the wall, you just have a person looking up in a book, like what words and phrases they should be putting back. Uh, and it's called the Chinese room argument because neither uh, the, the, the person looking up the phrases has no idea what Chinese is. They just know like, oh, if I get such and such phrase through the, mm. through the slot, I reply with such and such phrase. Mm. Um, is that artificial intelligence? So it raises this question of like, um, yes, you can give the right replies, but do you actually understand the person handing back the cards doesn't actually mm-hmm. understand Chinese. They just have an algorithm for if this, then mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, you know, I think a, a great future episode related to this uh, would be, you know, artificial intelligence and fitness and coaching. And like, just because, um, you know, to go back to your point about the coach and the relationship, like just because an app can, um, can crunch the numbers and the data, like what intelligence is there about like the larger picture? And like, yes, if you feed it, you know, 135 by five for a back squat or whatever, it can chug out the next progression, but then like, what's the larger story around health and longevity and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I have so much to discuss on it. Um, cause my, uh, initial, uh, uh, jump into true coach was, you know, the, uh, the data that was going to go through true coach that essentially is going to move through coach RX now, right? Just imagine this like data that went through true coach and all the transactions and movements of programs, right? Just can just think about this. This has continued into coach RX, right? So it's continually inside of this quote unquote platform, <clears throat> but people forget that. And it's not like I'm watching this, but I think you'll be able to like extract data from this over time. The vitality project or the vitality program is going to is going to bleed out of these transactions of programs or what people do, right? Because of a couple different, you know, just even a few data points, right? Age, height, weight lifted, years experience, compliance, you know, da, da, da. you just you can just like push a button. This is where artificial intelligence comes in, right? <laughs> is that our brains are not even big enough, I think, to comprehend that in a number of years, or like it could be done today, people who, who you know, move the levers, right? <laughs> people who move the levers, not do elliptical, uh, can just, you know, put a query in. Like I can do with Steve Sizer today, who's our head of technology development and uh, development of CoachRx and the, our platforms, right? And say, you know, I need to, I, I want these seven points extracted out of a five-year, you know, synopsis of this person's program design, right? And it can extract out all the things that I want from that. <clears throat> and then, quote unquote, a, uh, a computer or a robot could, could, you know, make some assumptions based upon what, you know, all the inputs and the outputs to your point, what went in and what came out and then observe, is that, is that the case? You know what I'm saying? So... Uh, yeah, I have a deep uh, love as well as concern <laughs> for all the stuff that's inside of, um, you know, the word artificial, right? Because artificial, of course, triggers me because I, I love the human aspect so much. The, 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 you know, yeah, just humanity in itself and artificial just like, just is like, is like, uh, nails on a chalkboard to me, you know? And so that those words together, even like it, it hurts me because of, uh, those being together, you know, it's not natural and it's not human intelligence. It's artificial intelligence, you know? And so it's like, Ooh, there's something, something concerning over that. So, well, maybe we can, I mean, we'll almost certainly do the uh, episode, but maybe we can think of a different term like athleticism where it's not as, uh, scratchy on the chalkboard, but I mean, but I mean, yeah. but exactly what you're bringing up. I mean, it, it is like, this is actually the crux and it's still a debate within philosophy. Like even if, as the technology is moving forward and like people are reflecting on like, 
you know, reverse image search in Google, like, is that intelligence? Is that actually like, oh no, it's just the Chinese room where like you're handing it, but that's not truly intelligence. Is there such a thing as, um, you know, I think a lot of it's uh, TBD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, is such a thing possible? Yeah, yeah. yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've also, I've been steeped in some recent reading on, uh, on that. And uh, over the past couple of years, been invested my personal time into looking into that because of those things. So I do have some also counterfactual, you know, arguments to your point you just made there on, you know, is it really the machine or is it, a, you know, some kind of, I guess the saying is wrong, but a ghost in the machine or, or where, where is that coming from? And uh, there's a number of different things that are going on in projects that would show that actually it is the machine and it is the machine's like decision-making process. And sometimes they don't even know <laughs> how the decision, how the decision came to be from that process. Right. Um, and there's a number of different things that I can give as examples from my readings that uh, would show that to be the case. And I see that connected to fitness over time and, uh, and wearables and data tracking, et cetera. I see it extremely connected because I know there's a lot of people at the, at the higher levels that are all in bed on that um, for those particular reasons. And some of them, yes, are nefarious, not all, but some of them are nefarious. Yeah, no, I, I see that. I mean, just a super short point that, you know, we can obviously talk about when we get there too. Like, within epistemology, this is a question too, like, is it even possible to have knowledge if you can't, if you aren't aware of that knowledge? So there's like internalism versus externalism, like can animals have knowledge? Like, well, yes. maybe not. Like the only reason humans can have knowledge is because they're aware of the, yeah. So this, this question of like, if you can produce the process that produces the results, well, yeah, you can produce the result, but where are you even aware of the, you know? So anyway. Yeah. Um, I love that. Um, Eliza Yudkowski is the name of the guy that I listened to on a podcast many years ago that made mention of that. And he said it, he said it that way, but in a different way, he's like, cause the podcast host was asking him a question and he was like, you're asking that question because, uh, humans, <laughs> humans, uh, are just not capable of that understanding today. <laughs> The way he, and I, that like cracked me like I had, I had to pause the podcast right I was like but how threatening did that feel right for, for myself because I was like wow it shows you how all the shortcomings we have of our inability to like we actually can't put together all those concepts right we, we can't actually think about those things or know those things because we're not capable of it yeah yeah that that hurt so no, I can, I can totally, but see it's that. inspiring because it, it made, it made me want to try to know more and find ways of, of, uh, of improving that. So, and I think the way to know more is through experience, not technology, not technology, <laughs> <laughs> just a little joke to round us out. Excuse me. <clears throat> you brought up the old sickness with that one. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I think that was a good discussion. I, I enjoyed that. I, yeah, I, I, you know, I think that's where a lot of, uh, like very often I, I come away from these kind of, it, it's, it's good to be, you know, challenged on one's position. I find myself, you know, challenged and questioning, um, what I believe Likewise. coming, coming Likewise. back. It felt like we could, we, it felt like we could have like just had a, a cup of tea and like kept it going for 90 minutes more, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Just 
just rummaging around that particular area. Um, but hey, hopefully the listeners will get some benefit of the, the concepts we discussed and hopefully sets them up for being excited around the AI conversation and how fitness and technology works. Yeah. I got at least three new episode ideas of, if not potential two parter awesome. for each of human nature, self-awareness and awesome. uh, AI. So. Oh, super. I look forward to those. Um, I promise. Uh, actually, I won't promise that. I was going to say, I promise I'll read Hume's uh, uh, treatise uh, by then, but I won't. Um, I've got uh, De Gaulle, Charles De Gaulle, uh, this monster monstrosity of a biography that I want to, I want to, finish the summer because right now it's uh the end of may and i'm going to Coeur d'Alene uh next week uh and uh i got some exciting uh projects that uh or exciting big project that i'm gonna i'm gonna capture this summer one of them being completing that book um the other one is uh is uh the the future version of ccp oh cool yeah i'm gonna lay the groundwork for that this summer that's very cool well <clears throat> by the end of august actually i don't know if you heard this but elon musk will have been finished he will have finished with the Neuralink, and then you'll be able to download the treatise without having read it to your brain so nice you'll just Gosh. be licking the uh the yogurt through the monkey straw and then <laughs> <laughs> or whatever banana concoction or whatever it was that uh yeah no more reading necessary oh man <laughs> download it is that knowledge gosh i know but no but that sounds really cool i, ho- I hope you have a uh hope you have a fast fantastic time in quarter yeah yeah thank you um likewise i hope uh i hope the winds are nice up there hope you don't have many uh fire clouds i hope you have a significant enough rain to keep the keep the um wheat flowing in the area the way the trends are going with the world this is gonna be miami soon enough so uh, <laughs> i'm telling you south Bend, indiana doesn't seem like much right now but it will be miami south bend beach yeah south bend beach uh so we'll see all righty cool all right thanks james all right man